listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Indeed, welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your favorite podcast about guitar geekery. It's basically a podcast about, uh, you know, luthier stuff. Guitar tech, you know, guitar science. You know, you listen to the show. You know, I always, I start off every show assuming that this is your first time listening. Maybe I should stop doing that. I'm alone this evening as uh, we have an interview to do. And it's going to be really good. I, I'm really excited about this interview because this guy that I'm going to interview uh, is basically uh, selling a tool for guitar repair that no one else sells in the world that I know of. It's the only place you can get this tool, and we're going to talk about it. It's Rick Tisch from PlayersGearMusic.com, and we're going to get to that. But first, let's take a call. I think we have a voicemail to answer, and uh, we're going to do that. Here we go. Hey, Eric and Melissa. Uh, I have a buddy that just got a Lake Placid Blue pre-CBS Strat, and this had a bodyguard on it most of its life. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the bodyguards, but it was basically a piece of plastic that went around the back to prevent buckle rash and stuff, but... Uh, anyway, it's it's left around the perimeter of the guitar like this like thick, almost tar substance, and I'm just wondering, is there a safe way to remove that, or if he is stuck with it? Uh, there's been some pretty famous guitars that had the same thing, like Eldon Champlin's famous '54 Gold Stratocaster. It had the same had a bodyguard that had that same kind of line around the the edge. So I'll send a, a picture of it and curious what you think. Thanks. Bye. Cool. Thanks for the call. Yeah, he <clears throat> he sent me a picture. Um, yeah, you mentioned Eldon Shamblin's uh, famous gold Strat that had the same problem. That weird bodyguard. You, I, I've seen that several times over the years. And unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the uh, original who, the original players who owned these guitars that put those on, they meant well, but that weird, it's like a form-fit plastic shell that just fits over the back half of a Strat. And then it has a weird rubber gasket all the way around the perimeter. And uh, unfortunately, what happens over time is that little rubber gasket basically just breaks down into goo and melts into the lacquer finish. Really bad news, and it's unfortunate because those um, guards were 
you know, they were designed to protect the finish, not ruin them, unfortunately. That's what they've done over the years. So I've seen that several times. I've seen a lot of vintage guitars with those. It's rare, but, it you know, I've seen it three or four times. And, uh, yeah, all of them have that problem because that gasket around the perimeter just turns into goo, turns into weird tar. Um, Eldon Shamblin's famous gold 54 Strat, I didn't know that had the same problem. He was the guitar player for Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. That's arguably the first, I, I'm pretty sure, it's the first custom color Strat, I, I guess, unless you unless you count, uh, uh, what's his name from Pink Floyd? He's got that Desert Sand Strat. Uh, David Gilmore. I don't know which guitar was first. Hmm. But uh, that gold Strat is, can you imagine what that's worth? Oh my God. It's crazy. So your problem with the, uh, the basically the rubberized tar goo all the way around the perimeter of this beautiful Lake Placid Blue Strat, uh, it's a problem. Yeah. You can remove it. What you're probably going to find is that it has melted into the finish and uh, there's not going to be a way to remove it and make it look like nothing ever happened because it's probably damaged the finish underneath that. I, you know, you want to use the the least invasive thing first. I mean, my 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 thought is uh, maybe use something like a uh, like a. I get these, you know, big. They look like a big popsicle stick. They're like a craft stick, and I use those to mix up, you know, stain or to stir pore filler or something or whatever I need it for, you know. I get these big, they look like a giant popsicle stick. Uh, but that's wood, and it's, you know, I, I don't want to use something, I wouldn't want to use something metal to scrape that off because you're going to damage the finish, but if you if you kind of took one of those and, and uh, just to see if you can get most of it off and then maybe use a, a mild polishing compound to try to rub that off of there. But like I said, probably what's going to, what you're going to find is that that goo has melted into the finish and there's not going to be a way to take it off and leave a pristine finish underneath. So that's unfortunate. And I've seen that several times. It really is unfortunate, but what are you going to do? You know, ironic really that they put those protective shells on their guitar to protect the finish and and it ended up destroying the finish. Nothing's new under the sun. It's like the it's like the weird guitar forum doodad of its day, you know, the the weird <clears throat> product that you know, somebody means well, but it's actually a, a harmful thing. Well, we had quite a few emails and I'm going to sit on those for the next episode when Melissa joins me again, uh but I want to get into this interview. We're going to interview Mr. Rick Tish from Players Gear Music right after this. Hey, guitar nerds. Visit MalcoLeather.com to check out a variety of made-to-order leather guitar straps, or you can email MalcoLeather at gmail.com for custom work. Every Malco guitar strap is designed and built by hand by me. Check out my Instagram at MalcoLeather to see examples of my past work. And as an added bonus, I offer free shipping in the U.S. for orders over $35. Visit MalcoLeather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O-Leather.com. 
you have any idea what I do with my time, let me tell you, it's consumed entirely by building custom guitars, repairing and restoring guitars, making custom guitar pickups. I make uh, replica Blackguard uh, Bakelite pickguards. These are all available online. You can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things. To see what's going on there, I've got a price chart. I've got, you know, pictures, examples of work. I've got a custom pickup order form. I would love to help you with your guitar repair or restoration or uh, just, you know, whatever you got in mind. Shoot me an email. Whatever. Give me a call. If you want to see the guitars I make, go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl. I always feel like I have to spell it. I probably don't. You uh, understand, I'm sure. Anyway, check it out, and uh, I'll see you there. Joining me on the phone is Rick Tisch from PlayersGearMusic.com. How you doing, Rick? Hey, wonderful. It's another beautiful day in Indiana. Yeah. like five inches of snow. Oh, yeah? Where in Indiana are you? Um, this is Gas City. Okay. Um, it's, it's about 45 minutes north of Indianapolis, which if you're not from the Midwest, we count time as miles here. Yeah, sure. That doesn't make any sense, but it's a, it, we always talk about how long it takes to get somewhere instead of how far away it is. Sure. I'm looking at your website here, playersgearmusic.com, and it says up at the top, guitar store in Marion, Marion, Indiana. Is that like the, yes. the greater uh, metro area is called Marion? <laughs> yes. You're laughing because it must be a small town. Um, Marion's not that big either, but it's a little bit bigger than Gas City. I've heard of it because that's where James Dean was born. Uh, he was actually born in Fairmount, but they, they uh, we have what's called the Ducktail Run in Gas City at the same time that Fairmount celebrates James Dean days. Oh, yeah? And the reason it had to happen that way is the car show at James Dean days got so big. Oh, really? Um Yes, Fairmount's this little tiny town, um, incredibly small, huh. and you know they couldn't handle a uh, another five thousand people coming into town for the weekend. So they uh, there was another car show started in our area here in Gas City. It's cool. crazy. It, like I enjoy old cars. Me too. But I don't enjoy that weekend because yeah. it's it's just packed. It gets nuts. I'm uh, an old car buff. I have a. I have a 52 Oldsmobile that is uh, fun to tinker on, but we didn't uh, uh, plan on talking about old cars. I want to know about playersgearmusic.com. Is this only a website, or do you have a retail store as well? Um, I've got a little shop there in Marion. Um, we do, you know, like I do repairs. Yeah. Um, I've been known to assemble a couple guitars. You know, like people will do parts guitars, but then they get kind of nervous about the final assembly so I put them together and set them up for people yeah um we sell a lot of used guitars i'm i'm not real big on the new new guitar market because it's a small shop and i'm 45 minutes away from sweetwater oh really yeah once again it's yeah it's it's about 45 miles yeah. <laughs> <Sweetwater>. <laughs> yeah and it's tough to compete with sweetwater because they carry Literally everything. I know. Well, and a lot of uh, small shops have run into that problem. I mean, it's hard to compete with the big internet stores, but you've really been carving a cool uh, little niche for yourself, I think. I mean, just looking at your website, um, really interesting pedals and uh, 
selling unusual things like wall art and uh, and refurbished guitars, which I didn't really know about that whole market. Tell me about the refurbished guitar business. Well, I buy from a place called MIRC, and a lot of people that are checking up on whether or not to buy a refurbished guitar will end up looking at their website. Yeah, it stands um, for M- Musical Instrument Reclamation Center. Now, I had yeah. ne- I had never heard of this, in, in, and they're in Tennessee. What? It, uh, tell me about this. Um, they're in Franklin, Tennessee. It's really a, it's a cool place to visit. Anytime except when COVID's going on. No, oh, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, it's more or less for just for their dealers. Well, you get to walk around, but it's it's this huge warehouse full of guitars. Um, these are pretty much all, all except for a few tailors, it's going to be all import guitars. Is, and what happens is when Fender, say, orders uh, Squire Classic Vibe Telly, uh-huh. it shows up in the United States. They do QC. And it fails any part of QC. Uh-huh. It is cheaper for Fender to just take a hit on that and sell it to MIRC to resell oh. than it is for them to pay a tech in the United States to figure out what's wrong with it and fix it. So it's basically it's what we used to call like a factory second. Uh, yeah, similar. Uh, most of the refurbished guitars are going to be stamped used, mm. and they'll get a new serial number at MIRC. And that's just to keep track of it in their system. Yeah. Um, it's also to make sure that somebody doesn't try to get warranty work done on it. Right. Okay. So they're they're basically sold as a used instrument, and there's no uh, there's no manufacturer warranty. Right. So you're getting a new guitar for the price of a used guitar. It sounds like it. A, it sounds like a pretty good deal. What kind of discounts are you uh, typically able to to do through that? Um. It's, I'm I'm always able to beat you know obviously the the full retail, um, the general rule like uh well I don't have any of the uh, any of the uh, like Squire Classic type stuff on there, but I, I mean I've sold sold like the uh, Supersonics I had one of those that sold for like two seventy five, it, it kind of depends sometimes if there's any kind of cosmetic thing going on with the uh, with the guitars. Hmm. Then the price really goes down. So it just and you still it, have it depends on the guitar, like right? You can have have guitars like there's a I think there's a bass guitar. No, no, there's a, a Strat that's on the website right now that has this little tiny paint imperfection. You know, it got bumped up against something. It's on the back side of the guitar on the corner. Yeah, where nobody will ever see it. Right. And they what they do at MIRC with stuff like that is just. Cover it with clear, make it smooth, buff it out, and send it on. Hmm. So they'll actually do like touch up and and uh, tech work there. Yes, um, and anything that retails at over five hundred dollars, they will repaint. Oh wow, really? So do they sell to the general public or only to dealers like like yourself? Only to dealers. Wow, that how did I not know about this? That's I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know either. It's really interesting. They, yeah, they they've gone from being fairly uh, small to they've gotten big fast. Really, in like the last ten years. Huh, that's so cool. So a lot of your inventory comes from MIRC, um, but you also yes. you also I assume sell uh, a lot of used guitars as well. Yes. Um, well, like uh, if you're on the website, look at the Green Goblin. It's a it's a gorgeous it's a carving 
And um, originally the guitar, that's one where I actually did a relic job on it because originally the guitar was just plain Jane uh-huh. and it was one of those carbon kit guitars. Mm-hmm. And um, we pr- we made it look more uh, like a classic. Oh yeah, I see it. But it's... That, yeah, that was the guy. He had it. He had it done. Um, he loved the guitar. And then he then I built him a telly, and that was the this guitar was like not getting played. So mm-hmm. just moved on. There is something about Telecasters. Oh, I know. Oh, hey, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I'm a telly guy. And uh, I have been for many years. I started out as kind of a Strat guy, but man, when I fell in love with my first telly, I just I I never really turned back. That's just that's my uh, that's my thing. I love Telecasters. Well, it's the, and, and as far as I'm concerned, they don't even need the neck pickup. I I could I would be fine with just the Esquire style tele. You know, like I don't need fancy things like two pickups. Yeah. That, there is something about that bridge pickup. Oh, I know. Yeah. Glorious. Well, you're in good company. I've heard Billy Gibbons say the same thing. So, <laughs> I I like the neck pickup, but I don't like the traditional neck pickup with the brass cover. It's too dark sounding to me. I I like to I make my own pickups, and I use a on that neck pickup. I use a unplated nickel silver cover, and it really opens up the tone, makes it sound more like a Strat neck pickup, which is way more usable than the traditional telly neck pickup with that brass cover the brass filters out a lot of high end yeah and it, it, they just always sound just very vanilla yeah so, yeah i'm glad you're if you're fixing that problem that's a big that's a good problem i yeah i know i well that was the thing that i always hated about any telecaster i picked up and i once i figured that out and i mean i'm not the only one a lot of guys do that uh you know and a lot of guys just take that cover off and it makes it sound way better <laughs> but uh, it looks funny. So the unplated raw nickel cover is very cool because it still looks right, but it sounds way better. Um, I want to know about uh, your repair shop, though. Do you do you do a lot of repair there in uh, in Indiana? Um, it's actually really the business has been good. Um, there, I'm a I'm enjoying uh, meeting a lot of new people because in our area. There used to be a gentleman by the name of John Logan, and he worked at a place called Studio B, and that was where, a good grief, back in 1994, the first time I walked in Studio B looking for a guitar, and he sold me my first guitar, mm-hmm. and he was like the uh, Jedi Master of, of uh, guitar techs in this area, and um, the Studio B shut down in 2004, and he basically decided, you know... I'm going to stop doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. And so for a while there, you know, there was no place to take guitars. And what I ended up doing was uh, getting lessons from John on how to repair guitars. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, when I opened my own shop, I was ready because I had plenty of practice. Cool. <laughs> and it, it, so I, it's probably been, oh, I, I, I imagine it was 2008 or so when I started doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I still John John's in the shop every week, and I've always got questions for him. Yeah, it's it is nice every once in a while to talk to somebody that knows way more than I do. Well, and this is such and, a it's a cool um, industry because you know, like a lot of things, you you never stop learning. I mean, I'm I never 
I still learn stuff all the time about repairing guitars that uh, uh, it's always exciting, you know, when you've got a new challenge and a new solution. Yes, yes. And you learn some things that you like more than others. Like, sure. I've got a guy that he's a bass player and all of his basses have active electronics and they are all a challenge to right. work on if something needs changed. Yeah. It's, I think um, I, he has made me decide I never want to have active electronics in anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it's getting, that, that's getting closer to like, um, you know, computer repair than, <laughs> or like, uh, you know, taking apart a cell phone or something. A lot of these, a lot of these guitars with active electronics, you open up the little uh, uh, circuit board there and, you know, there's a, not a whole lot of serviceability in there. And if something goes wrong on that circuit board, or if one of these little tiny transistors blows out, uh, a lot of times you just, I mean, at least I can't repair it, but I'm more old school. <laughs> I, I work on, yeah. I work on a lot of vintage stuff and, uh, I, I, I don't do a whole lot of active electronics. Yes. I prefer simple old school stuff myself. Yeah, man. And I, I like to do some funky wiring, but, but, uh, the, yeah, the active stuff. A lot of times you're just like, well, uh, get this time to replace this part. Yeah, right. I'm looking at your website. I'm looking at your uh, repair prices, and I gotta say, super, They're super, not a super affordable prices. <laughs> you, uh, uh, so, yeah, it's where I am. Um, in this area, that's as much as I'm gonna get. You think? Um, I wondered about yeah. that. I, you know, it, I guess it just, I guess it is dependent on. On where you're at, I mean, certainly a shop in downtown New York is different than a shop in uh, downtown Marion, Indiana. Yes, yeah. yes, it's it's. And you know, at some point, maybe it'll change. But right now, we're in kind of a depressed area. Um, times are tough for everybody. Has but, has COVID really affected the economy there locally? Yeah, yeah, it has here too. I, yeah, I think my business is one of the few that's actually doing better. Hmm. Interesting. I, I've, yeah. Uh, people are picking up the guitar again. And um, I offer two two types of shopping. Mm -hmm. Monday through Thursday, people can make an appointment and come in and it's just like me and them. Yeah. And then they don't have to worry about encountering other people in there. If we, you know, I have customers that have cancer and they're being treated and they, you know, they can't be taking a lot of risks. Sure. I have, you know, you know, people that are just not able to uh, take the chance of getting, possibly getting COVID. And those folks, you know, Monday through Thursday, they can, we can come up with a time. They come in, we put our, put our masks on, fumigate everything. And, and uh, it you know, makes for, you know, like the rock star, the same experience rock stars have. Um, <laughs> right. A private, a private appointment. Private appointment yeah. at the guitar store, and so then on week then for, on weekends you're open, uh, kind of to the more general public. Walk yeah, in, walk in, yeah, um, to seven, and that's you know there are some folks they still miss the, uh, the that experience of going to the music store and seeing some other some other guy in there playing and sitting down and jamming and making some music together that. You weren't neither one of you were planning on. Yeah, the, the, you know those guys are there Friday and Saturday, and it's fun to listen to. I really, really love it, and, and uh, 
I wish I wish we weren't having to deal with COVID. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like we're about to turn a corner, but I, I hope I'm not just being optimistic, but it seems like I, it. I really hope so. I hope so, too. You know, I always ask when I have guests on the show, um, I like to ask, what what was it that started a fire in you about guitars? What, what, was it a certain guitar player or a certain kind of music, or was it a mentor you had? What was it that that lit up your world about guitars? Um, years ago, and you'll never heard of this guy. His name's Quentin Gibson. Um, at this time, I think he he was, well, the last time he was gigging, he was playing for Darius Rucker. Mm-hmm. But forever ago, he was in this uh, Christian band called Soraya. And, mm-hmm. it, and it was like heavy metal. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and they were based out, out of Indiana Wesleyan University, which is there in Marion. And um, I got to meet him and hang out with him. Um, and we we went to a few of their shows, and, and he was just such a cool, normal person. Uh-huh. And he taught guitar, and he I had never even thought about playing. And then he was like, you know, you know, you could play if you want to. You know, like if you like the sound of guitar that much, because you know, one of the uh, things I I repeat over and over to people is make sure you like the way the instrument that you want or you are going to play sounds because if you can't stand that sound you will not practice that yeah you have to find something that just trips your trigger yeah totally and for me it was guitar cool and he actually he 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 steered me to john and uh then john sold me a guitar and then i just didn't quit the rest is history (laughs) yeah they say the uh the uh average the odds of what is it one out of ten people that starts playing guitar will keep playing guitar Oh really? But the, yeah, the uh, the other nine just you know don't stick with it. The other but, nine, and which is really depressing when I'm selling like starter guitars. Yeah. Because I never know which who's the one. Yeah. Well, hopefully the other nine move on to uh, bass or harmonica or drums, <laughs> but somehow I don't Something think cool. so. Yeah. <laughs> Trombone. Yeah. Well, the reason uh, we're talking today as uh, as you know but the listeners don't um is that you are selling a product that i am super stoked about because as far as i know nobody else is selling one and it's a really really useful tool in my shop it's a neck heating iron or a neck straightening iron and i had one years ago i had access to one in a shop that i worked at and uh, then when I left that shop, I didn't have access to that anymore. And lo and behold, you go to buy one, and they don't make them anymore. That that neck straightening iron is something that, um, for whatever reason, the companies that used to sell them, they just don't anymore. And sometimes you see a, a used one pop up here or there, and it's a thousand dollars or something. And and I had to I had to make my own. I ended up making my own out of some crazy parts. I mean, it's a hillbilly neck heating iron. And so I was so glad to get one of your irons because it it works so better than my crummy homemade one. And uh I'm just really excited to be able to tell uh everybody about it and uh and to uh, promote it on the show because dude, the world needs this. <laughs> and and no nobody else is selling one. How did you how did you stumble into this? How did you how did you uh stumble into manufacturing a neck heating iron 
It started out with the same issues you had where I was looking for one and I was like, $1,000 seems like an awful lot for a used iron. Yeah, one that may, it, it, you know, maybe at the end of its life because it was manufactured in the 70s or something. Yes, and and um the more the more research I did, the more things I found that I thought, you know, there there are a lot of problems with the old designs that I didn't or things that I looked at as a problem. Uh-huh. Um I and I I am I am fortunate to, you know, have a guy. You know, everybody's got somebody that that you know that uh can help with the issues like that to help design something. Mm-hmm. Um, I okay the heat control. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of a variable heat control for for an iron. Yeah, I do too. And yours, I, yours has a variable control. Yes, but mine is not built into the iron because I yeah. just think, well, why? There's no really good place to put it in the iron because I I know that if you go online and you look at a bunch of different companies that used to make them and you look at their directions um they're always strapping the iron to the top of the neck which when i first saw that i thought that makes no sense because heat rises yeah so why are you not strapping the guitar over the iron right um and if you do that there's really not a a lot of room to put that control on the side it's going to be exposed to more heat than you want it to be exposed to yeah so we went with a unit that was outside of the of the iron itself, and um, used 14 gauge steel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's slow to warm up, and it's slow to cool down. Yeah, I like that um, though, and, and that that was my one of my problems with my homemade one is it it works, but it almost it gets too hot too fast, and then it cools down too fast. And the thing I like about yours is is it it's it's much more uh, subtle. It's it. It, if that's a good word for it, it, it. I like the word gentle. Gent, yeah, gentle, yeah. And it's it looks it's overbuilt. It's I can tell it's going to last, you know, for a long, long time. It's powder coated. It's more gentle. It heats up slower and cools down slower, so it's not such a shock to the guitar neck. It's it's a great iron. I'm really I'm really impressed, and I'm really happy with mine. Yes, and. Well, then I came across uh, Scott Freelich. He was active in a lot of. Uh, he's a you know, he was the king of the iron. Yeah, we had him on and, the show, and he was in, on a lot of forums. Oh, uh-huh. and um, he was basically explaining to people that that were saying this can't work, this doesn't work. I've tried it, I can't get this to work, and he was like explaining to them why it wasn't working for them. Yeah, and it's kind of. You know how those forums are. You can talk to those people till you're blue in the face, and they're going to keep saying the same ignorant thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he made so much sense, and um, I tried to go with you know, a lot of his ideas. Well, like, um, he was one that definitely was telling people, don't put the iron on top. You put the guitar on top of the iron. Right. And and he had, he had, already, he had designed a very cool iron. I don't know if there are any of them left floating around but I, I like his design too <laughs> yeah i do too and he well he, he unfortunately passed away as we announced on the show a while ago and you're you're the one who told me about that i think that you had yeah. uh tried to reach out to him to maybe get one of his irons but uh is, is that how it worked and and found that he yeah, was there, there wasn't a response when i was trying to message his reverb shop so 
I'm assuming, you know, nobody, I, I, I'm assuming, you know, nobody uh, picked that up and it's probably just, you know, close. Yeah. Well, and you've kind of picked up the mantle here. Um, like I said, I, I'm not aware of anyone else in the world that is selling one of these. So talk about cornering the market. You know, I hope you sell a ton of these. And I, I'm I'm telling you, this this is an indispensable tool in my shop. I mean, I use I use this a lot. And I'll, some shops aren't, <laughs> they're not hip to the iron. They don't know about it or they've tried it and they, they didn't do it right. So they don't, they didn't get it right because they didn't uh, experiment with it enough. But man, if you use this thing right, it can save so much time. It can solve so many problems that uh, that other techniques are. You know, if if you've got a warped neck, there's only a few things you can do. You can you can try to plane the fingerboard, or you can do all these things like that just aren't reversible. You know, removing wood sometimes has to happen, but you can't put it back. And that's the thing I like about a neck straightening iron is that uh, you can straighten out a warped neck without having to remove any wood. Well, a lot of people have had success take, actually removing the fingerboard yeah. and then re-gluing it with everything clamped in place. Uh-huh. And, you know, that can work. It's, I mean, it's, it can. It's a method. It's, it's a lot of work, though. It's a lot more work than using a neck uh, straightening iron. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it, it's always my first um, it's always my first line of attack if I'm working with a warped neck, and it I've found that it works. I don't know, maybe eighty percent of the time. Um, it, sometimes you'll encounter a stubborn neck or some kind of extenuating circumstance where the the neck straightening iron isn't going to work. But why not try it first? It's so much easier and so much less invasive as as long as you don't. Uh, get the neck too hot because that can cause problems of its own but um this is the this is a tool that will pay for itself multiple times over in a pretty short amount of time if for a busy repair shop yes and sometimes i won't say that when you use the iron and you correct a neck i will not say that it will never ever ever warp again because things can happen sure but it's a lot cheaper than all of the other options. Yeah, it really is. And I've been, I've been doing it long enough to, you know, see guitars that I've straightened the neck on years previous. And, uh, I gotta tell you, I've got a pretty good track record with, with the necks I've straightened out. Um, I haven't had to revisit that many of them. They, they tend to stay straight, you know, wood. I've, people sometimes will, uh, argue this point with me and they'll say, Hey, wood has a memory. You can't, you can't straighten it out like that. And I, and okay, okay, I can I can accept that, but look at how we bend guitar sides. Yes, if if wood had a memory and it always went back to the same shape, all of your acoustic guitars would explode. Yes. <laughs> so you know, with heat and and clamping and pressure, I mean, you can act, you can absolutely force wood to. Uh, 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 to do what you want it to, and it's, it doesn't always cooperate, but uh, it's certainly a valid. <laughs> it's certainly a, a valid way to to uh, bend wood. Instrument makers have been yeah. doing it for I don't know thousands of years. It's not cheap, but it's the only game in town. 
and it's reliable, it's durable, it's a it's a good heating iron. How much are you selling yours for? Um, I'm asking seven forty nine, uh, but for the next couple months, anybody that orders one and mentions the show will take fifty bucks off. So it'll be six ninety nine. Wow. Okay, six ninety nine. And is this through your website, or I, I see it, that they're they're listed on Reverb? Yeah, you can order it through. If you go to my website, is playersgearmusic.com. Okay. Everything is spelled normally. Yeah. Um, and then you go to playersgearmusic.com. I'm going to go ahead and, and move this. I have lots of things on my website, but I'll go ahead and move the iron to the front page. Oh, cool. Okay. So you can see, click, click on that. But everything, all the, the uh, sales go through Reverb. Um, it's it's just simpler for me, and I, I like how Reverb uh, they may have some things that aggravate me here lately, but they are the best game in town as far as um, giving protection to buyers and sellers. Yeah, and you know, keeping track of stuff. So, if any listeners want to buy this uh, and use the Fret Files podcast discount, they'll click "Make an Offer," right? Instead, yeah. of, instead of just adding it to the cart, make an offer for six ninety nine. Mention the podcast, and uh, then you get. You get your fifty bucks off plus free shipping, right? Yes, free shipping. It's hard I, to beat. I do recommend. Yes, it is hard to beat. For if I haven't seen them at a price like that besides besides mine, but I, and I'm out there looking every week just to see what anybody else has, and I haven't found anybody else building them. No, nobody is. I because I look too, and I I it's it's been frustrating because it's such a um a valuable technique in my shop especially you know I like I work on a lot of older uh martins and a lot of uh the the vintage martins don't have adjustable truss rods well isn't that basically up until the it was the 80s when they started I, putting truss rods in, wasn't it yep i think it was and so you know all those vintage martins you can't if if it just has a little bit too much forward bow or a little too much back bow that used to be a real hassle to to fix because um it meant you know maybe removing the frets and planing the fingerboard and a whole lot of labor and work well with this heating iron you can clamp it and put shims where you need to put shims and put clamps or straps where you need to put straps let the heat do its work and uh, it's way less invasive, way easier, and has, uh, in my view, better results because you haven't removed wood. Yeah. So Your this, whole the, there. yeah, right. So this is a tool that's just invaluable, I think. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I would encourage anybody that's on the fence about getting one of these to take the plunge because. It is something that will absolutely pay for itself if you're doing if you're doing a high volume of repairs, then you know you run into warped necks all the time and this this takes um that problem and makes it so much more approachable yes and and almost any shop I've ever been in has plenty of warped necks sitting around, and you can practice on oh yeah before you before you work on somebody's vintage martin, you can work on the old cave that's sitting in the corner with the uh, neck where the headstock's almost facing sideways mm-hmm. and, and give it a shot. There's a lot of information online about how to use them and uh, uh, there's a lot of um, you know, tr- uh, 
trial and error. If you get one of these, you should practice on a kind of a throwaway neck. But, um, yeah. man, once you get up to speed on how to use this tool, I it, it will definitely pay for itself. So I'm so glad that you're making these and uh, offering them for sale. Are they... Uh, are they made in the USA? Uh, yes. How about that? Um, they're they're made by, well, a guy named Dave, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the the actual the iron part and the bent steel. Um, he takes care of that for me. I do the assembly, uh-huh. um, the uh, the uh, um, heating elements, and all the parts are sorted sourced from USA. That's cool. Because yeah, it's well. It's just nice to uh, be able to sell anything that's totally made in the USA. Yeah, it really is, it, and it's it's a uh, it's not something you see very often anymore. And I, I I'm happy to happy to do. I'm happy to sell something that I can stand behind. I'm proud of. Yeah. And yeah, if you ever had to uh, pound in a nail or something, you could use it for that too. I guess it's, <laughs> it's got a lot of purpose. Well, it, yeah, it really is stout. I mean, it's it's it it's impressively stout, and and that's that that was my my first you know thought when I saw it was like, oh, that, well, this is going to last for a long time. I mean, this is a this is a quality tool. Well, I've noticed that um, one of, like one of the uh, more popular irons that I, you've seen you'd see you'll see out there on you know if you Google it. Um, is was actually made out of just nothing but bent steel. I mean, it was basically a bent steel box. Yeah, and it didn't look like it was. I've never seen one in person. Yeah, but the thing did not look like it was that stout. It didn't. It looked kind of kind of like um I don't know I weak. Yeah. Um, the idea for me, I mean, it should whatever you're you're clamping to that fretboard should be way more solid than the fretboard and you know way more solid than your neck and yeah. that neck has no choice yeah. but to bend right you clamp that on there that steel is not going to bend yeah it's it's going to take a lot of effort to bend that steel and um actually dave my my metal guy he he uh is very um detail oriented and he he's a player so he is making sure you know, like straightness is a big deal to him and it's, which is good because it's a big deal to me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. It's nice to work with people that care as much about your product as you. Yeah. And uh, th- there'll be directions that go along with with the iron where it gets just get people started. Oh, good. Okay. As, as far as you know, because things that, that you you can build yourself that I'm not including are things like a base. I use scrap two by fours. Lay them out in kind of an H pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can make your own base. You can get really creative. Um, shims, you know, anybody can make shims. You just make them a little bit narrower than the fretboard, and mm-hmm. and you can make some beautiful shims or or um, straps. I there there are not straps included um, or clamps included. Every you'll see a bunch of different ways of clamping the neck to the. Uh, to the iron, I like um, these loop style straps. Mm-hmm. They do they do a great job. They're they're kind of like the straps that you use to hold stuff in your truck. Yeah, right, like tie downs. Yeah, but instead of having hooks and hooks that connect the things, it's just a loop. Mm-hmm. So you tighten that loop down, and it, it you know 
conforms to the shape of the back of the neck so you don't have to to make something to, that fits on the back of the neck this will just actually wrap over the neck um i've been using them for a couple of years and i haven't burned through one yet cool because they're i don't know they they're definitely made to, to handle a little bit but i'll include links to where you can get those at a reasonable price cool are they are they made to order or do you have a bunch in stock they're made to order. I am, wow. Cool. I am waiting right now for parts because lo and behold, with all these people that haven't been able to go to work in all these factories. Yeah. It's hard to get parts. It Yeah. It has been for me too, for a lot of things. So I understand that. And, um, if you order one of these neck straightening irons from Rick, you know, give him a little grace and patience because, uh, it has been a real hard uh, year for getting parts for all kinds of things. So, um, so I just went to reverb to see if I could search on reverb and find it easily. And if you search on reverb, I made the mistake of typing in neck heating iron and it didn't show up. So I typed in straightening iron and, uh, there it is. So if you are searching for it on reverb, use the word straightening iron instead of heating iron, but you can also go to playersgearmusic.com and get one there. Yeah. 50 bucks off for, for Fret Files listeners. That's a good deal, man. I appreciate that. And in full disclosure, you are compensating me for, for, for advertising this, but I couldn't be happier about it because I really want people to have access to one of these, and there isn't one out there uh, until now. Well, I'm happy to bring it to you. Yeah, it's awesome. Because I guess I had heard you talk about it on your show before, Mm -hmm. but until I went to actually buy one, I didn't realize, well, Goodreads, there literally is no one selling this thing. I know. (laughs) I know. It's so weird. And And I I think it's because they they appeal to a niche market. Yeah. Um, If, you know, for a really large company, I'm sure they wouldn't sell enough of them because they would have to make a jillion of them to make money off of it. Yeah. And then they would have them sitting around until everybody bought them all. Yeah. I've often wondered if it's because it's a, it's, it's a, it's kind of a dangerous tool. It's not a tool for amateurs. You can ruin a guitar. You can ruin a guitar neck, um, using a, a, a neck straightening iron. But think about all the tools in our shops that are dangerous. I mean, I could, I could lose fingers. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure why the danger aspect, uh, would, would rule out, um, offering one of these for sale because man, there's all kinds of things I could order from Stuart McDonald that would, that would cut my fingers off. Yes. Or a Dremel. Good grief. Yeah. I mean, a soldering iron. How dangerous is that? So, so yeah, it's just for some reason there, there's, uh, there's just nobody manufacturing these except for you. And I'm so happy. And, uh, I hope that you are able to sell a bunch of them. And I hope that people reach out to you and, uh, and, and buy these because who knows how long Rick is going to be offering these for sale. <laughs> uh, but six ninety nine for fret files, listeners at playersgearmusic.com. Yes. I, I, and I really appreciate you having me on. I, I know that I'm probably not the world's greatest interview and, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, talking to you because I listen to your show a lot, and I, I enjoy it. I um, and 
easily imagine if I did a show like this and my wife was on the show, she would be like taking me down a peg every time I turn around and <laughs> we get along pretty good. Yeah. We do. We get along pretty well. Uh sometimes my wife wants to murder me. You know? And and we have to do a podcast anyway. It's like, okay, can you can you pretend you like me while we do this podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we get along good. It, everything's good. And she she brings so much to the show. It's it's been uh, it's been cool because um I you know, I I used to do the show by myself and uh, it was I go back and listen to those early episodes and it's pretty unlistenable. It's it's very hard to do a solo hour-long monologue about a topic as dry as, you know, guitar repair and make it interesting and listenable. So, uh, yeah, she's brought a lot to the show. So having my wife on is uh, definitely, definitely saved the show for sure. Yes, and it's, well, hearing kids in the background makes me feel good too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's just our life. <laughs> that's I've I've got a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a seventeen-year-old, and, and it's that's pretty much how my house works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Takes up a lot of time and energy, doesn't it? It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's it wonderful. is. Cool, Rick. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I just I I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it, man. Well, it's my pleasure. Before we go, tell us the uh, the what's the website one more time. PlayersGearMusic.com. You might find some other cool stuff on there too. Oh yeah, they're Hello? all. It's a cool oh, website. Yeah, it will be great to have more uh, more people putting their eyes on there. Um, we do pedals and stuff too. Yeah, your pedals look really yeah. interesting. Oh yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much. It was a great experience. Cool. We'll, we'll talk to you soon, Rick. Thanks. All right. My pleasure. Bye bye. That does it for the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for submitting questions, and uh, keep them coming. If you want to write into the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and uh, submit your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is call or text 757-774-8482. That's 757 774 8482, and uh, we'll use that as part of the show. Thank you so much. Good night.